Hi, I'm Shivam. Hi, I'm Izzy. And this is Phoenix Chat. Where one of us can read... Which one? You, you find, find out. out. Oh man, so... Second episode, we managed to yeah. uh, not tank the podcast within our <laughs> first I think hour we did a recording. pretty good job. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks to uh, everyone who's been uh, listening to our first episode. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're just joining us for the first time, this is a D&D podcast where we talk about uh, our experiences with D&D. And uh, and this episode uh, with the Phoenix Heart recap that uh, is out should be up on the YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Um, we're also going to be talking a bit more in depth about the campaign. So if you want a bit more like context about like um, why we're talking about the things that we are in the campaign, uh, please check out the recap on our YouTube. Yeah, what he um, said. <laughs> so to uh, start things out... Um, with just um, more information about like our experience in D anD D and the things we like about it. Um, what's some of your favorite spells, Izzy? So I, I have a story behind <laughs> behind the spell. So it's called Animal Shapes, and it's um, an eighth level transmutation kind of thing. So basically, um, I'm gonna read the thing straight out of the book, out of the uh, player's hand book. It says, "Your magic turns others into beasts. Choose any number of willing creatures that you can see within range." You transform each target into the form of a large or smaller beast with a challenge rating of 4 or lower. On subsequent turns, you can use your action to transform affected creatures into new forms. So basically what happened, I was a druid, and um, somebody casted, uh, I think, Charm Person? Or something like that, to where the person we were fighting which nobody could really get a hit on. So we were like, okay, we have to use charms, not fighting in order to defeat this thing. Um, I was like, can I, can I use this? And they're like, well, yeah, I guess. And I was like, and it worked. And they're like, okay, so what do you want to change him into? A goldfish. (laughs) What? Yeah. Goldfish. Why do you want to change? Just, just shut up and let me change him into a goldfish. I initially wanted to keep him, but he died. So I killed it. (laughs) So that is why. I, that, I love that spell. On purpose, did you kill him, or was it just no, like it was not small chunks of the goldfish? Oh no! I, I really, like, I really wanted. So I wanted to kill him, yes, but mm. not initially. So I was like, can I, can I like keep him and like, like Darla kill him, like in Nemo? No, he oh, just wow. died. I didn't get him in time. So, but he was oh, a fish no. and died. So oh, that man. is why. That is my favorite spell. <laughs> yeah, um, that's absolutely great. Um, I think my favorite spell has to be... I believe it was Enemies Abound that I used. Um, I played a sorcerer um, way back when in uh, one of the first like uh, campaigns that um, I ever got a chance to play in. Um, right. And uh, I managed to really, really fuck up because um, I went um, in the back where uh, the big bad guy was. We needed to find like information uh, on him and make sure like um, and find proof that he was like selling like the illegal drugs or something like that. Yeah. Um, and like I literally walked into this guy's like trailer. Um, he was there. I cast like a bunch of like illusion magic to try and like um, 
pretend that I was like a, a fan of like his like circus performance and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it went downhill extremely fast due to oh, a yeah. series of bad deception rolls. Um, and I, very slowly I realized I've really, really fucked up here because I am now right next to the big bad guy. He has his entire troop of performers ready to kill me. Um, and my the rest of my team is like at least three turns away from being anywhere close enough to help me. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got very, very lucky with a twin spell enemies abound and just got like everyone to just get very, very confused as I just like cast random illusions and started sprinting all over the place trying desperately to keep my sorcerer alive. Um, oh my God. And it somehow managed to work until the rest of my team could get there. Um, the mission was a complete disaster. We burned that circus to the goddamn ground and oh we didn't even find the information. But. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but it was definitely one of the most fun times I've had playing D&D, for sure. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> you just burned a whole circus to the ground because you messed up. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, if you're wondering why I don't give you um, more shit about Juliet being the way she is, it's because mm. I realized, like... It's very mm. easy to go down that death spiral as a D&D oh, character. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. It's funny. Yeah. But, um, speaking of Julia, as we head into, like, the, the recap of our first episode, so, like, how did you end up, like, creating the concept for Julia in general? So, what makes me mad is I don't realize how I make these characters, and then when I tell other people, specifically somebody at work, who decided to say, so let me get this straight. You're playing Swiper the Fox in D&D. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. <laughs> yes, I'm playing Swiper the Fox in D&D. No. So I really, I really like, um, I know this sounds really weird, but I really like Asian um, mythology, like Asian culture. Um, so Juliet's last name is Heijung, and that's Korean. But she is a kitsune, um, which is Japanese. So it's kind of like a hodgepodge of Asian culture into a character. And I had to redraw her, like, I don't know how many times because, like, originally I had her, like, with orange hair, um, really pale, and I was like, eh, eh. All foxes kind of are, like, orange. So I wanted to make it different. And then I tried, like, white hair, and I'm like, no, that's, she's not, like, that yet i guess <laughs> to have white hair um and then i decided on like a maroon kind of hair and i was like okay, okay oh that, that sounds cool and then um after while i was i was watching k-drama i mentioned that in the last episode but i i was watching k-drama while i was making this character i'm like yeah that sounds that sounds cool because uh she was you know based off that and i was watching a what was I watching? I think the Goblin King or something like that. It's a like historical one, and so I was I based her backstory, which I'm not gonna say on here because it's kind of spoilerinos, um, on that. So that is how I made her. Well, that and the and you asked when we were first like making this campaign, like, hey, do you want to join one of the guilds? Because the other two are already occupied. Because I what did I say I wanted to play like true neutral um. or something? 
Yeah, I think you actually started off as like a lawful like cleric or something like that. Something um, like that. And then I was like, yeah. eh, okay. <laughs> I'll make something chaotic. That's fine. And at first she was chaotic good, and now I guess yeah, I think it's a good a good way to say she's chaotic neutral at this point. Because sometimes, <laughs> you know, scooping out eyeballs isn't exactly a good trait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're enemies, though, to be fair, but... Yeah, and it was only the one robbery you committed. <laughs> <laughs> so far. So far. So far. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed, like, uh, seeing you guys, like, create your characters. Because, like, when I created, like, the world, the main thing I had was, like, um, I wanted there to be, like, guild halls where, like, um, separated by, like, some form of, like, uh, personality trait or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I realized, like, the easiest way to, like, separate it into, like, um, three different guilds would be, like, creating, like, a guild that was, like, based on the lawful alignment, creating a guild based on the neutral alignment, creating a guild that's, like, the chaotic alignment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from there, it can, like, very easy to, like, characterize, like, uh, some information about it. It's, like, the lawful uh, guild is all about, like, it's, it's basically, like, a hospital. The neutral guild is all about, like, information in libraries. And the chaotic guild is, like, um, spy a work. A bar! And, and is also just a bar. Um, a bar. Yeah. I really enjoyed you uh, putting in that detail of, like, um, Juliet being, like, a, a barmaid in the city, because, like, that really helped it me, fits. like, figure out um, what, like, the guild's role is to the public. Um, yeah, and I really liked it just being, like, um, yeah, just, like, a, a bar by day, um, but, like, uh, having these, like, um, covert secret ops by night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. So when you were making Phoenix Heart, like the the city itself, what were you envisioning, like to make the city look like? What kind of people are in this? Like, where is it kind of based off of, like, to what the audience can compare to in mm -hmm. real life? Yeah. Um. So the biggest thing I wanted to like have was that like um, uh, the first campaign I ever ran, it was like. Uh, standard high fantasy was like you know big kingdoms and like small towns and stuff like that um i really wanted to have like um highly populated areas though in this campaign and have it kind of be like mm -hmm. almost like a steampunky kind of field um so with phoenix heart i really wanted it to be like this large city like victorian london where like um uh there's like all these like large like buildings and apartments and stuff like that and like um uh the the entire like region's going through this like technological revolution um as like uh people are kind of figuring out how to harness like a uh, crystal power um uh, among other things um but yeah it was definitely just kind of like um trying to figure out a way to make the the city feel large while also like making sure that it, the the opening quest wasn't too open-ended for you guys and you right, guys didn't right. have like, any idea where to go <laughs> mm -hmm. the other thing i also wanted to do with phoenix heart was also like making sure not just in phoenix heart but like all the way in the world was like uh the world was like this big cultural mixing pot because like i really wanted you guys to be able to play whatever like races and stuff you wanted to with right like, yeah like giving us yeah. like some kind of creative stuff mm -hmm. yeah um because I think on top of that, too, it's, like, having, like, this big cultural mixing pot city, it's very interesting to figure out, like, um, 
how do the different races and stuff like that meld into different roles in the city um mm-hmm. and like uh are there like um any traits and stuff like that that um become like a more exemplified way when you uh mix these cultures together yeah you know it's funny i almost went for at work i almost did oh my god <laughs> I, I was thinking about it i was just like never played an orc but i think that'd be really fun or like mm-hmm. chaotic but i was like nah i'll think of something else and then i started k-drama and i was like that makes sense i almost <laughs> did though oh my god that would have been such like a such a wildly a different character yeah <laughs> um yeah and then like um the biggest part was like uh, trying to figure out world building when like i introduced you guys to the world um so <laughs> The other thing I also, like, did for, like, uh, the intro and, like, uh, giving you guys, like, information about the world was, like, um, I wanted to really avoid the you-all-meet-in-a-tavern cliche because I did that on my last campaign and, like, it's fine. It's not necessarily bad to rely on it, but, like, I would rather have you get, like, into the action in a more, like, interesting way than like uh just meeting in the tavern right Um, right yeah out of curiosity how do you end up like uh you starting your campaigns and having the characters kind of meet each other and introduce themselves so okay to be fair i have (laughs) used you all meet in the tavern at one point (laughs) or another a lot of my campaigns start like that only because but like i I do something to where they have to meet in the tavern, not just like, oh, you all are just in this random tavern and you just just so happen to meet each other. Like, yeah. uh, for my Croaking campaign, they all got a mysterious letter. How so? They have no idea, like, it was with magic or something. Because one of them was a druid, like, just chilling out in the woods. And she's like, how the heck would I be getting a letter? I'm like, magic. <laughs> <laughs> and they... And I was like, y'all want to go to the tavern? They're like, okay, so we're going to the tavern. And then I started from there. So it's not, so yes, they're all strangers, but eventually they have one goal and they become friends and, you know, strive mm-hmm. toward the goal. Yeah. So that's it's, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, like, difficult to try and figure out how to get your players into, like, one place to, like, start things off because, like, um, you need to figure out some reason that all the characters will have in their backstory to, like, meet in this place. Um, Work together and all that, yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, the one thing I do mandate for pretty much, like, every character who, like, joins my any of my campaigns, um, you... They, they need to, like... Uh, every character needs to, like, uh, work on a team in some way, shape, or form. So... Yes. Yeah. Um, I absolutely like hate characters that like you have to be like convinced to join like this uh the party or like join the campaign um i don't mind if there's like a little bit of pushback and like they're very easily convinced but like if you just spend so much time making it all about your character and like um, yeah just making it just harder for everybody else to like interact with that character just because like okay i guess we don't need them and they're like actually you do Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever seen any other, like, character red flags coming from uh, people? Um, mm, kinda, sorta. It hasn't been too bad. But mm. there was um, my first or second campaign. I can't really remember. But this character, 
He was a really angsty rogue. Like, the angstiest boy mm. in the entire planet of angst. Like, oh, I'm, I'm the most popular man amongst the ladies. I'm a forgotten son of the prince, blah, 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 blah. I'm too good for you peasants, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, dude, we're just trying to slay this dragon. Like, do you want to help or not? <laughs> and he's just like, oh, you know what's really funny, though? That he wanted to go... He was one of those... There's some people who play D&D just to have, like, inner relationships with, like, D&D brothels. Like, Ooh. those kinds of people. I'm not gonna say it, but those kinds of people. And mm -hmm. I... This... Oh, this was the Druid campaign that I was talking about, actually. Mm -hmm. So... He wanted to go to a brothel to say that I did, and I was like, you know what? Fine. Let's go. And I managed to convince every single woman to get out of the brothel, because I, I gave them money. I gave, like, all the money I had, because I was kind of, I don't know how I became so rich, but I had all the money I had, and I was like, go make yourselves better brothels, or, you know, a better place. And I, somebody casted an illusion spell to make him seem like he was, like, you know, having sex with the lady. And I burned oh the I burned the building down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He got out. Um, it was fine. I just thought it was yeah. hilarious. But like <laughs> things like that were like he just wanted to make it all about him. Like, oh, I want to go do this, but I want to go mm. do this. And I was just like, dude, I would like to go get armor so I don't die. Please. Mm. Yeah. Instead of you um, going around like, oh, I, I must go to a brothel and I'm like, bro, chill. We can just mm. sleep outside. <laughs> oh man. Um by the way, quick tip for new DMs, if you're dealing with a situation like that, you are allowed to say no to characters, you're allowed to call them out for, like, being assholes like that, and, like, stop yes. it for a little bit, and just kind of say, like, hey, what the fuck, dude, don't, don't do that in our games. Um, but, yeah, no, um, the only, like, red flag I've really seen in the character is that, um, uh, I had a friend, um, they were super new to the game. They were just kind of like... It, they, it was just like a Skyrim experience for them. They didn't really understand like the role-playing part and the consequences part of the yeah, world. Yeah. Um, and so like they uh, gave me their like backstory and they like uh, they hated like uh, all alchemists and stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Um, another character ended up playing uh, an artificer who was an alchemist just like Oof. straight up. Um, and so like... It ended up being this, like, because uh, I was just very, like, it's the first time ever DMing. I just didn't realize, like, uh, it would be such, like, an issue. Because um, I figured, like, oh, they'll argue in character, but that'll be, like, the extent of what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, to the guy's credit, he said, like, uh, will it, like, break the game if I, like, you know, PV play with this player and, like, try to kill them? Um, and I kind of like, yeah, yeah, please don't just murder one of your party members. Uh, and thankfully, they just kind of like simmered down after that one. But like, I really should have put a stop to that um, when I kind of saw that character trait. And especially like that someone else had that like. Uh, yeah. Like you guys are playing D&D &D to work as a group, as like a party mm -hmm. to figure out how to stop or to like a solution to the problem. That's that's the point kind of of D&D. &D. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Mm -hmm. Teamwork. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what makes this game, like, so incredible, and yet so, like, hard to get into sometimes, because, like, um, 
you really need to find like people who like work with your play style in order to like create a very like successful campaign um mm -hmm. or at least be willing to like compromise to like um give other players like the things they want out of the game even if you necessarily don't like them right yeah but yeah so getting back into phoenix heart and how i like introduced you guys um i think the main thing that needs to be there in the introduction is like everyone needs to kind of introduce their characters as well as their like personalities too um yes, i kind of like a spotlight yes exactly mm -hmm. um what i try to do is like um come up with scenes and stuff like that to like show the characters personalities versus just like straight up telling everyone um what the personality is um right so yeah i believe i asked you then how you wanted to introduce yourself do you want to explain then how oh, which yeah, way yeah. interesting was <laughs> yeah so, so Juliet works as a as a barmaid at the Jackal's Den, which is also the Candice Libertas uh, uh, hub hideout thing. Guild! Oh my gosh, I couldn't think no. of the word! <laughs> <That's> the word. <laughs> um, so she works as a barmaid there, but she also is like, you know, a spy. And I wanted her to be introduced as like, you know, because she's chaotic good. Well, I started her as chaotic good. So I was like, this fun, like, uh, charismatic charming you know lady and then a guy decides to grab her tail and like it's kind of like the the similarity of a guy grabbing some girl's butt so she whips around smashes a stool or a tray over his head and then like lifts her the split in half tray over her head like in victory and everyone's like yeah um so like it shows that not only is she like capable of handling herself easily in those kinds of situations but she's still like a fun, party-loving, drunk, yeah. box lady. <laughs> um, by the way, small funny story when you like uh, first explained that to me. Um, I believe you like first told me that like um, oh maybe like some guy in the bar is like just being like generally creepy towards her and like that's what causes her to like set off and like um yeah uh, be a badass. Um, uh, as soon as you said, I'm like yeah okay that makes sense. And then, like, I went to, like, writing, like, the, the character of, like, the creepy guy, and I'm like, what, what do I, wait, what do I do here? Because, like, I don't want to, like, I, I, because I have to play the NPC and realize, like, oh, God, I, I don't want to be, like, actually creepy to this person that I don't really know right. that well. I'm like, yes. but at the same time, if it's, like, too minor, then it feels like Juliet's just this character that, like, you know, snaps over nothing. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, I, I appreciate that you got like the really good example of like uh, grabbing tail because like um, that's obviously a thing you shouldn't do, but also like um, hmm, it's hard to kind of explain, but like um, don't grab people without their consent. Yeah, yeah. This is a PSA. It's, yeah, it's don't grab people without their consent in general because that's just obviously a creepy thing to do, but like. I, I don't need to like it's obviously the character because like nobody in real life could grab a, a person's tail hopefully <laughs> if that weird. makes sense yeah yeah no 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 I, yeah <laughs> but yeah so that's how I introduced Juliet <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> you know um I, I really enjoyed that intro it was just so very like flavorful and like oh yeah it's it a very short snappy scene but it told you like so so much about like the character and like the role play you were gonna bring to the table oh yeah oh yeah mm -hmm. um and then 
the other thing I did was that um, the other thing that linked uh, the three characters together from each of the guilds was that um, all of them were receiving like a rising newcomer award. Um, and that's like the place where like uh, all three of these characters are going to like meet up together. So um, I one had to like create like these NPC guild leaders for everyone. Um, so like the next thing that then happened was um, Cass, uh, who is a Asimar Hexblade. Um, and also like you're the boss and the leader of this guild walks into the bar and like explains to you that you won like the um, the Rising Newcomer Award. Mm. Um, and I think this is my next point then. Um, how do you figure out how to like um, role play with an NPC that like uh, you're supposed to have like cared about this person? Like um, y- you uh, in character uh, probably know just so much about this person, but you as a player know nothing about this NPC as this is the first right. time I'm introducing it. <laughs> right. So I just kind of like based it off kind of her backstory too. Like how did she become part of the guild? Who is this man? Like, that kind of thing. So I just, I settled on because, like, I could have easily had Cass been, like, a crush to her mm-hmm. or something, like, some kind of love interest. But I was like, no, no, no. I don't think she'd like, she would like him like that because he helped her in such mm-hmm. a way. It's more of a father figure than it is, like, a romance thing. So I was like, you know what? He's going to be, like, like her not dad, dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that way, that way, the NPCs know a little bit more familiarity with each other. And they can banter back and forth, just like how, like, a father and daughter would, in a way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely, like, a learned skill, too, to be able to figure out how to, like, banter back and forth and kind of, like, um, oh, yeah. figure out how to do that. I think the biggest tip I'd have for, like, um, getting into this kind of role play and, like, figuring out kind of what to say is that, like, always try to say yes and... Or if you can't say yes and no but and like introduce some new idea, but just try to keep like building off the ideas that like, the person is saying. So like, um, I believe you said something about like um, challenging like a cast to like a drinking contest or something like that in the moment. Something like and, that. Yeah, and like uh, the way you can yes and on top of that is I had cast respond by saying like. Uh, I think I had Cass, like, respond by saying, like, I am not, like, going against you in a drinking contest. You beat me every single time this has yeah. happened. <laughs> in case any of you have not figured it out yet, she's a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> a very hard alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, But, yeah, I really enjoyed, like, the three guild leader NPCs and, like, figuring the, those three players out. Um, mm-hmm. And... As we kind of move forward, we introduce the other two characters. So, um, I I don't know if you remember much about that because it's way back, like uh, almost four months ago that we first started doing this. But did you have any like thoughts or opinions on the other two characters as they were like introduced in these smaller scenes? Yes. Okay. So when we first started playing, I knew nobody but you, kind of. Yeah. While we when we first started playing. So I was just like, "Ooh, this is gonna be an adventure. I don't know who's go, what's going on." But there, you said, <laughs> but I saw that there was five people, but we only got introduced to three at the beginning, and I was like, "Okay, whatever." Um, so the first after after my character, which I was eating at the time, and then you're like, "Oh, so we turned to the jackals then," and I'm like, "I gotta choke <laughs> <in> my food," because <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna start, but I did. <laughs> um, so we may we meet Morgan, who's going around phoenix heart 
making this giant sandwich <laughs> for some <laughs> fucking reason. Like, oh, I'm going to make this giant sandwich and get brain food. And I was like, oh, he's going to be hilarious. Oh, this kid's going to be funny. But in my mind, I like I knew that he was going to be part of like a guild. Like yeah. the... Um, uh, not the chaotic guild. I, I just no. knew like I was the only one that's going to be chaotic. Mm. But he was making this giant sandwich. So I was like, I wonder how he's going to act. So now we have all determined he is the protagonist of our group. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. I don't know. I, I loved his character. I think he was really fun and quirky. And I'm like, oh, cool, guns, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we turn over to Boondock, and I was like, okay, this is the person we're gonna butt heads. I know it. Oh, I know it in my heart and in my mm-hmm. soul. Because <laughs> uh, when Boondock was introduced, um, they were very like cold, standoffish, even to their guild leader, uh, Faith, mm-hmm. who's like this bright, bubbly, like cotton candy flavored, flavored. I- <laughs> do not do not eat tieflings uh, colored cotton cotton candy colored tiefling um who with this like bright bubbly personality and they were super like cold and standoffish and i was like oh god here we go but then i saw the moment where like this little kanku baby chick came up to Boondock with like a little hat and Boondock mm. gave them an autograph and I was like, okay. So he so they're not like heartless. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Cause I, I didn't know much about these characters other than like seeing some fan art that everybody had drawn of their own characters. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, alright, cool. Yeah. So that's what I, initially I first thought. Yeah. I also did kind of like um I, I would allow you if you wanted to talk about your characters like a little bit, I'd allow you to, but like I wanted to save the meat of it for the game, so like, um, because in like the game, you guys obviously don't know each other at all, and I wanted you guys to like get to know each other in a more like organic way as characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and so really enjoyed those like three like tiny little scenes because it just revealed like a ton about the characters in those brief little moments. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. Again, I really enjoyed uh, Boondocks especially because there was a tiny little like um a line he decided to improv where like i mentioned uh faith who's just like this really bubbly character saying like i know someone who's going to get the rising newcomer award and boondock just blinks and says who <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was such like a good moment to just show oh, this, it was like, so funny brick-headed personality of this man yeah Seder. oh my god oh Seder. yeah <laughs> but yeah that's and then, and then we got to the the uh, the festival part of it, and mm-hmm. we're all just chilling there. And I'm so upset that I didn't catch on to this because I was I was just like taken in the first like session of D and D. But as as all of us are like standing, getting these awards and stuff, our um, guild leaders are behind us, like you know, proud and like you know, gonna show us off and run out. Faith and Cass were talking with one another, and like Faith is like. Like, you know, the whole giggly, oh, Kawaii Desu, I like this guy kind of thing. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> what? So I, while we were, I was reading my notes, like, and like looking at my notes the other day, I was like, wait a second, they're together? They were together this whole time and I'm just dumb? <laughs> yeah, I, I literally put in that tiny little, like, hint in there. Um, 
because like that was originally just going to be the plan from like session zero i just planned to like oh these two like guild leaders are like in a relationship but it's like real real quiet about it real hush hush um, yeah yeah um and it, it's just like such a nice thing you can do as a dm to just like put in those tiny little like foreshadowing hints and stuff like that and then just like as the players kind of come back to the notes stuff like that, it's like oh like shit that's what you were trying to like get at there with that there's scene a lot of like things that. that i look back on my notes now and i'm like i'm not gonna say anything right now but later <laughs> on i'll know yeah oh my god um by the way and then other big tip i have for dms sometimes you plan out like a little storytelling seed or like a little hint that you'll place in like a, an intro session and stuff like that and sometimes nothing comes up of it and the players never remember the the storyteller seeds where like you hinted at something and then like you just forgot about that detail but your players are always going to remember the things where like um you place something and it's blossomed in it was just foreshadowing for something else that's the things the players always remember yeah i think i think it's funny because we attach onto stupid things mm-hmm. like like Morgan dropped this glass. Ah, oh, the glass is haunted. I'm smashing it against the wall. That this glass has nothing to do with the story. I think it does. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I was looking back at that session afterwards. Like, and here's another thing that you can do as DM. If your players do decide to latch onto something like that, and they're convinced that like, make it uh, worse. Oh, this is... Yeah, you can make it worse. But here's the thing. How do I actually make that, like, what kind of relevance would I actually have on the plot that Morgan just broke this one glass one time? Like, I don't know, maybe you could have made, like, the glass cursed or something, and he just managed to break the curse and I just fucking broke it even worse. Or something, Mm. like, maybe there was a genie connected to the glass, I don't know, something like that. But he just hyperfixated on it. Yeah. Um... But moving forward a little bit with the story, as you guys like got all these like the rising newcomer medals and like met up in this um, main area, um, I first like kind of introduced like um, the uh, all three of you just kind of relaxing and like uh, saying this is about to be the end of like a pretty memorable day. Um, before I started pulling the rug out underneath you guys, um, so. What I realized was the one trait that ties you guys, like, basically all together is all three of you will just, like, jump recklessly, um, into any sort of danger. Um. Yeah. (laughs) So, what I decided to do was, um, have the person giving the speech, Quincy, who, uh, was the leader of the Ibis Cognosius leader. In the middle of his speech, he started just all of a sudden talking about, like, how bullshit the guilds were, and revealed that, uh, the real Quincy, the real Quincy... Uh, was kidnapped um, and in order to uh, rescue him you guys had to rush out to his laboratory and like um, if you guys failed then Quincy would have been killed um, they and- failed anyway <laughs> yeah um, we tried <laughs> yeah I, I also tried to like kind of imply like this is obviously like a big trap because like you know uh, oh, whoever this big bad was yeah. we don't read <laughs> yeah, none of you read. <laughs> I was implying this out, and I was even gonna have this little scene where, like, um, uh, Faith kind of says, like, uh, you know, like, a this is obviously a trap, so you guys like shouldn't go. But Cass is kind of like, well, the you you also can't like leave Quincy for dead though. So like, um, 
just kind of like a, should you choose to accept this knowing no way? we literally every single one of us were like all right let's go hop off the stage before anybody could stop us we we're just like yeah. let's go <laughs> i was literally about to have a cast like say a word and then you just like you just like I'm, I'm running towards the exit and then the other two are just following you immediately yeah i was just like all right let's go boys and they're like uh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciated that at least, just being able to just head right off. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then we got into our next scene, and so um, we we had five players in that. Um, or sorry, um, four players at the time. Um, however, there was only like three guilds, and so basically what ended up happening was that um, one of my friends like I mentioned like, hey, do you want to like join our D and D campaign? Yeah, she had never played, and so like uh, I said like, well, we can figure something else uh, for you, and just like if you're not interested, you don't have to stick with it. Um, so she eventually sent me like a, a character concept, just kind of saying like, uh, I just want to play like ah, uh, just a very like cute, simple character, and so like uh, I said like, well, you want to play? Wait, like, she's um... never played D and D before? Yeah, nope, none whatsoever. <gasps> Oh, I'm so glad that, that she joined with our group then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, actually, she said she has played one time before, but, like, um, it was at, like, a, an Adventurer's League or something like that. Oh, okay. And um, that basically just, yeah. what ended up happening was that, like, she played, like, a Warforged that was specifically just meant to be, like, you know, just, just like a robot. And, like, one of the other guys there at the table apparently ended up, like, just doing something, like, the or sexualizing her character in some way and she just mm. like left and like Ugh. yeah gross yeah. but yeah. i'm glad it's with our character with our uh party now because I, I really like ours <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure for sure for sure um yeah and so she just wanted to make this a like, cute character and so i'm like uh do you want to make just like uh, uh the kobolds or something like that and then she eventually went down the list and she's like wait i can be like a two foot tall little like frog woman and like yeah, yeah, Absolutely. you can do that. Um, I started asking her questions, and we got with this, like, froggy merchant. Um, and, like, at first, she didn't really have any, like, big goals or anything like that. I'm like, that's fine. We can just, like, just play as, like, a, a simple character. And we'll, we can figure out your personality and stuff like that uh, as we go. Um, so you guys rush forward through, like, the merchant district, and you find a small frog woman who's currently, like, um cornered by these uh ghouls that are like charging in on her and um all three of you of course rush into action and uh save her and then what were your first reactions to hopscotch okay so at first she uh she introduced herself as hopscotch i'm like okay that's cute it's a frog i get it that's that's nice and we saved her that's cool and then i <laughs> And she decided, oh, let, sh can I show you my wares? And I'm like, oh, Khajiit has wares. You have coin, that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, we're kind of busy. And then she's like, wait, 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 there's treasure over here. Starts digging her tiny little frog hands through the dead bodies of the ghouls and pulls out intestines. And I was like, yeah. what? What? <laughs> can she do this? And Fuck yeah! She had what did she have? She had like a rib and some intestines, I think. Just like she had a and rib just, and like a kidney or something. Something like that. And I was just like, oh my god, is she like, <laughs> is she like chaotic evil? Like those. That's, uh, that's legit my thought process that went through my head. I was like, am I playing with a chaotic evil character right now? I thought she was so sweet and innocent. I guess I was wrong, but okay. 
So uh, we decided, or she decided to go with us to help us, I guess, to sell mm. more of her wares. And uh, we headed toward the um, the complex of the Ibis Kageyoshis. And mm. it, this, this uh, complex you described, it was like all glass windows, or, I mean glass walls. We could see inside, yeah. um, but they could obviously also see us. And uh, I was like, oh, let me pick the lock or the gate that we're supposed to go in. No, Boondock's just going to charge through. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's also a good idea, I guess. Um, they know where we are. Uh, so we're like, well, we should we should create a distraction. <laughs> Eat the frog. What? Eat the frog. <laughs> frog? I guess we're eating the frog. So Boondock just, yeah, just like, like, yeets. Was it two or three stories high? I can't remember. Two stories or something like that. Yeah. Two stories, and she just crashes through these glass walls mm. like a football. And she is poisonous to the touch. And so she managed to, like, create a good enough distraction for us to, like, take down some of the guards and yeah. <laughs> get poison them, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly just, like, I can't express, like, um, just how good she was at role-playing. Like, she honestly just took to it like a fish takes to water. Like, Oh, yeah. Um, just from like the initial get go, um, Hops is like a, a frog monk, uh, and she, instead of punching, she attacks with her tongue instead. Um, and she decided that like uh, after like the first battle, uh, when uh, she finished like grappling one of the uh, ghouls with her tongue, she was going to like talk to the like party members with her tongue out, and like actually like, got in character and just kind of like um, started talking like uh, w- without like closing her mouth. Gosh. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Um, she honestly role played so much better than like some of the experienced players I had yes. in like one of my previous games. Mind you, Hops—we call her Hops for short—has mm. two brain cells, <laughs> two, a single two, and she like her main goal is to sell wares. Well, initially her main goal was to just sell wares mm. for for money. No, for just whatever you what whatever she thought was worth her time <laughs> which is yeah. tiny like tiny trinkets like this pocket link oh perfect <laughs> this lemon and, perfect yeah um honestly like moving forward though like just having this very like simple like character and backstory we end up like really making something big out of it especially because like afterwards it like uh, a couple sessions in she explained to me like um oh um I mean, uh, as she kind of looked at, like, the Grung character, or the base info, she realized that, like, Grung only live up to, like, 20 years. And she's, like, one years old, so which is why she kind of, like, acts like a toddler. Um, but as we, like, uh, got kind of talking about, like, the backstory, she eventually, like, gave me this, like, surprisingly dark backstory where she was, like, um, yeah, I just, like, wanted to go and, like, see the world because, like, I only have 19 more years to live. Um, so I just need so to go sad. out there and do something and like yeah. make my impression on the world. I'm like, wow, that's really dark. It's like happy, bright, cute character. <laughs> Dang. Mm. No, I'm yeah. Sad. <laughs> oh, I don't want to think about Hops dying. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Dude, me too. I think that's the worst part about like, uh, the deciding to make this like happy, cute character is that like, 
and in the next fight, I had, like, this spooky minotaur, and how am I supposed to describe, like, a spooky minotaur beating up this tiny frog woman? Like, <laughs> it just feels bad and horrible and weird. <laughs> we would all be so mad at you if she died. I hope you know I that. would be We're mad at myself. We, we, we are <laughs> all so attacked. Like, Essen and I, like, later on in the campaign, mm -hmm. baptized her. It's a long story, but we <laughs> baptized her, so we're technically her godparents. And so this is our godchild, so we have taken her as our child. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to explaining that story. <laughs> oh, yes. Everyone, what? You can baptize children in D&D? &D? Yes, you can. Apparently. <laughs> Frantically looking up the rules. Matt Mercer helps. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, go, getting back to what's yeah, going on. Right. So we defeated the bad guys, and one of them told us that the the main person behind all of this is deeper in the in the the complex. Mm -hmm. So we headed in, and there's like this lady, like swinging over a like a pit of acid. Like the mm -hmm. classic damsel in distress thing. And mind you, Juliet, her thing is calling people damsels. That's, <laughs> that's just the thing. And um, she's like, well, shit, we gotta save them. And as soon as they go over, there's this giant thing. What, what was, what did you call it? Like a skeletal minotaur. That skeletal minotaur. <laughs> yes. Or the acid. acid. And two uh, gazers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And gazers are just, like, these tiny little, like, almost beholders that can fire out, like, laser beams that do terrifying effects. <laughs> yeah, so, while Boondock pretty much, you know, like, just head-butted, grappled, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the thing, the, the Minotaur, uh, Morgan took care of the other two, the, the, the gazers. My character was trying to figure out how to get this lady out of the out of the pit without yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know without hurting her or herself mm. and hops was just vibing yeah <laughs> um yeah i think actually didn't hops try to like lasso the woman down and like that's how you yes. ended up like yeah <laughs> somehow somehow mm -hmm. it worked yeah um honestly that was a really fun first fight but like um I, I think the part I enjoyed the most was that, like, you actually roleplayed three strangers being put into a battle for the first time together. I don't know if you guys meant to do this or not, but, like, because the, the battle was kind of a, a hot mess of, like, um, Boondock at one point, like, literally told you guys, everyone else spread out so I can take on the Minotaur by myself. And then Juliet decided to saddle up right next to him and then stab the Minotaur. And then Hop saddled up on the other side of him and decided to smack the Minotaur. <laughs> I don't think I remember that. Like, it was kind of just like a blur. Like, we were all just trying to get into it. Like, okay, let's kill this thing. Boondock, mm. no, I can do it by myself. Me. Nah, I got this. Kaching, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it was really good. Um, I think the saddest part, though, is like. The Minotaur was supposed to be the scary threat, and, like, the gazers were just supposed to be, like, other minions you just had to deal with as more, like, an environmental hazard. Mm. The Minotaur could do, like, 2d12 damage, and I don't think that, um, I ever managed to roll above, like, uh, a 4 for either of, like, the d12s of damage. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. I think, like, I even, like, hit you, um, with, like, a crit or something like that, and end up doing, like, only, like, um, 
like one one like three and a six for damage or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And rogues are really squishy too. So like it kind of was like, wow, you did nothing there, bud. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was kind of sad that it was a very like wimpy minotaur. But at least the gazers like really <laughs> did some damage to you guys, which is super weird because yeah. it's supposed to be like one the, the minions, <laughs> right? Oh man, yeah, just kind of goes to show you like can't plan anything as a DM. <laughs> oh no, there are so many instances where like I have this really cool like interaction that battle all planned out, mm. and they speaking. Okay, here's a good example from my own campaign. Mm. I introduced this water elemental after they were getting really hard smacked around by these uh, uh, Moreau, like Murfolk yeah. kind of thing. And this water elemental just shows up. Now, water elementals, like how I rolled, he had like 140-something hit points. This thing was big. And the druid, can I turn into a shark? What? Yeah, can I turn into a shark? And then the water genasi can ride on my back and we can kill him that way. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> because the water genasi rolled high enough to realize there was something in the head of the water uh, elemental. So these these two decided, okay, I'm gonna rodeo bull style ride this shark. They're gonna go up into the elemental, and sure enough, they made it and killed the thing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's moments like those where like. Um, you just kind of have to reward your player's creativity and like that and like especially if they succeed on like the the skill checks you make them roll because of it um you, you just kind of have to give it to them because that's what makes like the essence of this game just so so good is just these dumb dumb stories oh, you yeah. can tell <laughs> oh man um so moving forward with the actual like um campaign then mm -hmm. um I believe then the next thing was that after you rescued the woman, she introduced herself as Maria. Um, so what ended up happening there was that um, one of my friends, uh, they were supposed to like join the campaign in the second session because they were busy like the when we were doing session one. Um, and uh, they ended up being not busy like in the middle of session one. And so I'm like, hey, do you just want to play this NBC for a bit? Um, and they got <laughs> so in character of this oh like funky reporter. Yeah, I was literally just trying to like uh, ask you a, like a couple of questions as the reporter, just to like um, kind of force it's a you guys. To be able... Yeah, it's a reporter, and like I figured, like oh, I, you guys can like give some more information about your characters and stuff like that in like a way that's organic. Um, but she got so into character <laughs> and like started just like doing question after question in like it a was beyond. Way man it was above and beyond all of the questions she kept rapid firing at us and we were like oh mm. my god she's gonna die if we leave her alone <laughs> yeah and i think that was my favorite part was that like um she was able to like yeah turn this character into like you realize like ah mm, we just need to take her along otherwise like uh not gonna survive the way back out um yeah so you guys then figure out that um there's a secret entrance deeper into like uh the laboratory um and yeah as you like went down like the elevator it was just like she just kept like firing off question after oh question my gosh i know i was just like what is happening it's like yeah I, like what did she even ask i can't i like uh what were some of the questions I, she asked i can't even remember yeah i think my favorite one was that um i i think she asked juliet um 
what why like uh Juliet chose to dress like the way she decided to like dress and like Juliet's currently just like actively covered in like blood so... oh yeah oh yeah oh that's another thing I Juliet got the first kill of the campaign I think I, I was pretty proud of it I was like yeah nice I didn't even mean to <laughs> but nice so she's just covered in this ghoul blood and yeah Maria was like so why are you dressed like that uh, for style, I don't like. How do you respond? How do you respond to that? I'm just covered in blood, you know. Just you know, yeah. it's a trend. Being covered in bull's blood, it's fine. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I think uh, my other favorite question is Maria also asked Hops like what uh, what Hops was doing there because Hops is just a tiny little frog merchant and not really an adventurer. Um. I don't remember what, like, answer Ops quite gave, but I think it was just something like, oh, you know, just here for treasure, the standard, standard stuff. <laughs> right, right. I think she tried to sell Maria something at one point as well. Yeah, I think she tried to sell Maria, like, a rib <laughs> of one of the ghouls. Something like that. <laughs> speaking, speaking of, so we're all, like, heading down this elevator, and, like, there's guards and stuff, and we're like, okay, we gotta be sneaky about this. Oh, Hop takes initiative and decides, you know what? Those people look like they could use a sale. Just goes straight up to these guards, holding the, in the still bloody intestines, mind you, in her little froggy green hands. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have these for sale. Would you like to buy some? And you made her roll an intimidation check, and it scared the shit out of them where they ran away. Yeah. And we were like, oh my god. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Um, it's, it's so, again, because, like, uh, Hops' player was a very, like, new player, um, she said, like, out of character, like, oh, I think, like, Hops would do this, but, like, um, I don't want to, like, hurt the party because of it. I don't want, like, the, the party to, like, fail this thing that they're trying right, to do yeah. because, like, I wanted to. Um, and I think as, like, DM, you really need to, like, you, you need to let your players do that and occasionally fail, but, like, fail forwards. Um, but, like, see, it, it um, she was allowed to do that and, like, uh, allowed to, like, scare this person away and just, like... I really liked that moment because I feel like it really kind of taught her like I am allowed to to fuck up and like mess with the party because of you know Hops uh, will do whatever Hops wants to and I might punish them ever so slightly for like the Hops' actions but I'm never going to like ruin anything or like ruin the campaign because like a character has done one thing that's in character but fucks up the party. <laughs> like commit federal crime. <laughs> Everybody gets one. Everyone gets one. <laughs> Boondock doesn't get one. Yeah. They're a sheriff. Okay. <laughs> uh, can I just take them all? Can I just take all of theirs? Because just... <laughs> I guarantee you, she's probably going to commit another one. <laughs> I mean. On <laughs> accident. Yeah. <laughs> Um, here's the thing with that, though. Um, I will definitely, like, start... I'm just gonna start warning you if you're going to commit, like, a federal crime or something like that, and if it's especially going to, like, ruin the campaign. Yeah. Because I don't want you to, like, ruin the campaign in one blow. Um, right, yeah. But at the same time, like, I, I get why you're doing these impulsive things, but just understand that they have consequences, and just understand that, like... Oh, oh, I'm fully aware. I just yeah. didn't read. Yeah. <laughs> I I, th I think the thing as DMs you need to do in order to, like, make these consequences feel real is that, like, 
if you can have like a, a rule book quote unquote like a laws of like the land where like there's some that are probably pretty obvious like um if don't you kill. decide yeah don't kill uh if you steal from people that's almost definitely illegal uh -huh. that kind of thing um but like also going into like uh different things like um i also ruled that like um necromancy was illegal unless you like uh got like certain permits and like went through this bureaucratic process um and the crime that juliet committed i ruled that charms were illegal if you just decided to cast them on like an innocent person an innocent not just like yeah. in general yeah <laughs> and oh, what did yeah. i do Hey, I don't want I don't want to be put in jail again. Can I just do this? Oh my god. Why would you do this? <laughs> Oops. Oh man. <laughs> it, it all turned out well, but she's just yeah. broke now. That's fine. Yeah. I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. getting back to <laughs> another story, another time in the future. Um Yeah. Um wrapping it up, um, I believe the last thing you guys did was um you found Quincy holed up in like a, a little like barrier. Um, and as you and Boondock both tried to go through the barrier, it like locked you guys out, but um, yes. the rest of the party could like uh, get through. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that because like um, uh, you as a Kitsune and um, Boondock as a satyr, I ruled that both of your creature types are like Fae. Um, mm -hmm. So like, and like uh, it actually provides like a little bit of like information of like oh why did this like uh, spell uh, block those two and it kind of like um, forces you guys to either like come up with some kind of explanation or like um, or better yet lie about it which I thought like <laughs> you would have to do but <laughs> I, don't I don't think, think anybody really questioned yeah yeah because <laughs> Tabaxi because she's under the guise of a half Tabaxi I don't think mm -hmm. they're anywhere near Faye per se. Half tabaxi. Yeah. If you were a half tabaxi, you would have been allowed through the barrier yeah. with like no problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think anybody else in the party quite realized that, so like they just kind of let that one happen. Um, none of us can read. None of us can read. <laughs> um, you then had Morgan uh, go through because Morgan and Hops are the only two people who might be able to go through, and uh, you you decided Morgan was probably your best option for um <laughs> getting Quincy um yes. so yeah Morgan heads in uh talks to Quincy like uh Quincy's like oh thank god you guys are here I can take down the portal to let the rest of you guys in um and that's when uh the trap was sprung um because as soon as you guys let the rest of the party in um Maria decided to take the gun that you guys gave her and shoot Quincy, killing him. To be fair, we did not give her a gun. Morgan gave her the gun. <laughs> Morgan was the gun guy. So technically, technically, it was Morgan. It was and this Morgan. Is, <laughs> I'm not blaming just Morgan, but however, this is where our trust has died. The very first <laughs> fucking session <laughs> of oh, oh why don't you trust NPCs anymore? Hmm. Because every fucking NPC we have come across at some point has tried to kill someone. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. That, that was like my entire plan for like this first arc was like 
it was this like whole big trap and like if you guys had decided to like slow down at certain points and try to like um investigate certain things i probably i would have given you some more clues to saying like um you know um why is maria so like enthusiastic despite you know having been in like a this near-death scenario um or like the biggest that's one how she was <laughs> yeah uh why is um uh quincy being like kept up in this lab and like why is it like all is being like broadcast and stuff like that and why is this like the challenge um sent to you guys to come and stop them um yeah because but, none of us can read <laughs> Well, and we were all like, oh, we got this. No, we don't. <laughs> Crash and burn. <laughs> um, yeah, so the first mission you guys ended up running was a complete and utter failure. Because, yeah, um, Quincy we ended died. up being killed. And then uh, you guys uh, uh, suddenly then learned about the fact that um, Maria was a shapeshifter. And Maria transformed... Um, into this like undead creature that started attacking you guys um and i believe then the last thing was um boondock and the brand if you want to explain that bit <laughs> yes so while we were fighting um the the bad lady not maria was trying to saw off uh, quincy's hand basically to open like the secret portal or the secret door and we were like what the heck Pops was currently trying to eat Quincy to stop, <laughs> <laughs> to stop, to stop uh, them from getting the hand, and she, mm. like, <laughs> like you know how anacondas try to like swallow things whole. That's what Haas was yeah. trying to do, but with Quincy's dead body. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, and as that was happening, we were trying to get um, Maria away. Uh, Boondock was fighting them head on, and. Mm. They managed to wrap their hand around Boondock's throat and cause this brand. And when they put this brand on him or on them, we we didn't know what the heck it did until the shapeshifter started turning into Boondock, and we were like, "What? What does that mean?" Like, and we were like, "We don't know this guy. We don't know Boondock very well in order to like figure out who is who anyway." Mm -hmm. But um, so finally, after all of us were kind of like like hurt and. There was barely a scratch on this shapeshifter. Mm. Um, they left and we're like, ha, you guys suck. And we're like, well, we know, but stop. Okay, bye. <laughs> um, I was healing, or I was trying to heal Boondock. Uh, Morgan went into the secret room that kind of opened up and mm. found out some stuff about what's been going on in his guild and uh if you want to explain that a little bit better than i can because i can mm -hmm. i can kind of remember some bits and pieces but not like everything yeah so the biggest thing that was happening was um in the guild uh in the guilds in general necromancy and experiments with necromancy are generally considered illegal unless you go through like the very specific like um bureaucratic processes and like uh make sure that everything's like uh, above board um Apparently, what some members of the Ibis Cognitious Guild uh, were doing um, is that they were like performing forbidden necromancy experiments, and you guys found a soul cage, which is like a small device that like ripped the living soul out of a creature and has like kept it uh, in there. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, as like uh, Morgan's kind of like freaking out in this like weird creepy lab, he's trying to like he finds like some a bunch of documents and realizes um, not only is Quincy the guild leader, 
the person involved with um, all these forbidden necromancy experiments, but as he kind of looks through the papers, um, he realizes that his own father, a former Ebus Cognosius member, um, is listed on these documents and was involved with these experiments. Just had a revelation, but I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm so sorry. Okay, good. <laughs> um, um, no, you go ahead. So, Morgan found all this out and hid most of the documents away from us as we finally head in. We're like, and there's like these creatures all like caged up in these like um, cages and stuff. And we're like, what Ooh. is going on? And Morgan reveals like, hey, some some shit's been going down here, like necromancy shit. And we're like, oh, okay. And then we decide, oh, let's just loot the lab. <laughs> Yeah, here's this creepy forbidden necromancy lab. Well, what else is in there? <laughs> well, yeah, what, what else has gotten here? So we all rolled. What was that? A D100 or something? Yeah, I had a random items table. <laughs> um, I got this cone that sucks the fat out of anything. It was it was weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Boondark got this rope that an animated rope that they can teach the rope how to do like different like knots and ties and stuff yeah which is so appropriate <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. because you know sheriff mm. cowboy you know that kind of thing um i don't think hops oh no hops got a snails uh, snails that are all rainbow colored like mm. there's one one of each color of roy g biv like snails yeah um, <laughs> there was actually pairs of snails that were all oh they're pairs oh i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> they actually do have like another effect tied to them, but you guys haven't triggered that effect yet. Still, <laughs> no, we just made shrapnel bombs out of them. Yeah, <laughs> this is fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, but I guess as we kind of uh, so as I kind of introduce like the main villain there though, um, what did you guys think of um the shapeshifter as we called him then? <laughs> I was mad. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? Of all the times we gave an NPC a gun, like, and on the first session, I was like, you know what, the first session, okay, I get it, we're gonna go try and defeat this bad guy, Mm. it's fine. I was not at all expecting the lady who questioned all of us continuously. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? And we just, and we failed for one. I was like, oh my god, Mm. what have I got myself into? Yeah. I was like, this is too big brain for me. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I yeah. guess I guess we're gonna figure it out from here. So at I, the very end of the session, we were all trying to figure out like, okay, how are we gonna say what happened here? Because we yeah. failed hardcore. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I felt really bad like having the first session immediately just be like this immediate failure, but like um I thought it was at least like pretty interesting um oh yeah the, the like mystery that was kind of like being like slowly revealed and like um all the, the questions that kind of started being like asked there <laughs> no no it was really good i was just like oh my gosh we're dumb <laughs> <laughs> oh man um but yeah no i really enjoyed like creating that bill and like i really uh enjoy that you guys love to hate the villain too because like um uh and end up like because like the they end up being so personal to this group of heroes um i had the villain just like appearing in almost like every single like uh time shit's going wrong the villain's like uh there the shapeshifter's there <laughs> one step ahead of all of us and we're like god damn it mm-hmm. yeah 
<laughs> it, it really makes it personal to just like uh especially wave that in your faces that they're always just like one step ahead um and like it's gonna be really cathartic once you guys beat this villain <laughs> oh absolutely i i'm looking forward to it eyeballs mm. gonna be snatched <laughs> oh man um yeah if you want to run through a couple like quick questions as we uh start wrapping things up here um, yeah yeah so i think my favorite question that uh i was um asked um thank you to izzy's co-worker who decided to ask this <laughs> one um do you ever get surprised that characters do things in your game <laughs> Um, and the That's answer is no. I uh, have a genius brain. I am constantly thinking of 10,000 possibilities at any given point in time. Uh, I have perfect knowledge of all the characters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, no, no, no. I am. There is not a single session where I'm not, like, just constantly taken aback by, like, the things you guys decide to do. Um, which I enjoy so much because that's how, like, this game's supposed to be like i just like um uh set up these scenarios and you guys fucking like wow me by like creating these like creative and unique solutions um I mean, so yeah. far out of this campaign what has been the funniest one that has surprised you the most <laughs> now i hate to keep giving you shit about this <laughs> but well <laughs> Juliet decides at some point in time when um, there was a bunch of like uh, creepy zombies and stuff like that that uh, were going to attack the town. She's like, oh, I'm going to go to the graveyard by myself. I am then going to um, uh, like uh, check out all the graves and make sure there's like a warning system there. And also, if there's any like big like uh, really strong zombies that could appear, I'm gonna make sure that I can, like, uh, take them down. Um, which really surprised me and threw a wrench into things, because I had planned a mini-boss to be at the graveyard as soon as you guys went there, and so I was me just, like, kind of, like, panicking, like, oh god, oh god, oh god, I can't have Juliet fucking fight this thing by herself. <laughs> she would've. And she would've died. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... The, the thing that really surprised me, though, was as you went there, because, like, I decided to just move the mini-boss a little bit further down the, the line. Um, but what you really managed to do was um, you created this, like, system where, like, um, oh, I'm going to, like, uh, use, like, sticks and attach it to, like, the church's, like, bell. And so, like, if the dirt gets moved, the, the bell is going to ring, and that's how the town knows that the zombies are going to start approaching. I'm like, oh, my God, that's, like, really, really good. And then I described like this big mausoleum, and you're like, oh, that's where the, the king zombie's going to be. So you broke into the mausoleum, um, found the, the weapon that the king zombie was going to use, which happened to be a guitar, and you disarmed the zombie before chaining that uh, the, the coffin up. Unfortunately, though, when you returned back to town, um, you. Turns out you had accidentally desecrated Boondocks' uh, father's grave. So, yeah. oopsies. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I got up there, I'm so proud of myself. I'm like, I did it. I managed to save Art this whole town. Yeah. I'm so good at this game. And then Boondock and his mom are like, 
oh my god, what did you just do? And I'm like, oh, I just grave robbed. Hey, look, I'm so sorry. Look, that's not, that's not how it seems. <laughs> this is someone who looks like I saw here. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to, like, deep diving into that scene once we get to it in the recap. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, man, like, there was just so many, like, um, different things that were happening, and, like, you, you caused fucking Boondock to error 404 as he saw his father's, like, uh, gun tar. Um, Ma Boondock, <laughs> like, panicking and fucking, like, one step away from, like, drawing a weapon on you. The rest of the party is so violently confused. <laughs> See, oh, man. I fuck up a lot. <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> um, oh, man. And, like... Good times. I Yeah, that's what I enjoy, though, is, like, you'll fuck up, but it's always in a way where, like, it makes sense for the character. And, like, because I can trace that logic and because, like, you don't have an inconsistent set of, like, characteristics, I am totally fine when you decide to do those dumb, dumb things. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, to that point, uh, if Izzy's coworker uh, is listening and, and you know who you are, I understand the need to, to taunt Izzy about all the dumb, dumb things that Juliet decides to do. It's rude. <laughs> and as hilarious as that is, please, please ease up on <laughs> the poor Kitsune girl. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> she I'm has so, so much scared. on her plate. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> like, oh, man. I was thinking about, I literally stayed up very late last night thinking about, like, um, am I going to fuck up and kill her <laughs> the next session before we even oh, get man. to her arc and all this cool shit's going to happen? No, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just like, hmm. I'm gonna die. This, <laughs> I really want her last words to be like, fuck you, damsel asshole, fuck though. Really bad. That's, <laughs> yeah. I really want her... I, that's, that's the last words I want from her mouth. <laughs> well, I can arrange that. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think actually there's a question that I kind of want to... It's not on the list, but just worth talking about. Um, killing player characters. Um, because... I think it's a very hot topic in the D&D community is that, like, obviously, the the most important thing to your players is their characters, and you don't want to, like, take it away from them. But at the same time, you also need to, like, um, have the threat of this world and, like, uh, have it be, like, you know, like, uh, things can, like, hurt them. And, like, if they make, like, the wrong decisions, it mm -hmm. can spiral into them dying and losing their character for good. Um, so, I guess if you had any stories about, like, losing a character or you as a DM having to kill a character? Not particularly, no. Because I, I haven't really played a character hardcore like this in a very long time for me to be, like, very threatening. My character could die at a drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but... I do always, I have so many characters that I'm like, oh, I can play this, I can play this, I can play this. So I'm like, but now I'm super attached. So I'm like, I really don't want to <laughs> Um, Yeah, I've had uh, one of my characters die before. Um, yeah, it was very, very rough because we were basically in this like giant mega dungeon and we've been in that dungeon for like, um, literally like four months straight for like these three hour sessions. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, 
my character was basically like the only like organic life form um of like uh... the entire party and so all these like traps and stuff like that i think this is a pre-made like dungeon that our dm was running all the traps and stuff like that if anybody else had like fallen into like most of the traps it wouldn't have affected them but my character um kept getting poisoned and uh, affected oh. by like, uh, flame traps and just like put into these That's fucking, so sad like, yeah um getting like crushed by boulders uh there's a traumatic experience where um a doppelganger appeared and he had to convince a party member like no wait this is the i'm me not them <laughs> um and all the way at the end of it um I slowly started making my character just a little bit more unhinged because, like, I realized, like, we probably have spent, like, three weeks in this dungeon and, like, it's, like, everything has been trying to, like, uh, kill me. Um, and so, like, uh, we got to this part where, like, uh, a centaur and, like, I decided to fucking, like, uh, instead of, like, fighting it, I was just, like, a little bit off kilter and said, like, I'm just gonna fucking, like, ride, like, the, the centaur, like, a fucking rodeo. Um, God. I have my character charge towards it. Um, because of my stupid, stupid actions, though, the centaur fucking, like, uh, plants a hoof directly into my chest. Um, Oof. and, uh, uh, it, uh, manages to curse me. So I cannot be healed by any normal means um, for God. the rest of the dungeon. And like, I'm like, okay, this is fine. We're really close to the end of the dungeon, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, it should be fine. And then we get um, into the last encounter, which a doppelganger had once again taken the um, form of one of our allies. And so I had my character do like this whole thing where like, well, I, I trust uh the person who's the doppelganger because like it, it sucked for me when like uh all of you guys like doubted me and like uh look they seem to be like on the level and stuff like that um and as we're literally walking out of the dungeon the exit in sight the doppelganger uh fucking takes their fist and slams my character upside the head knocking me out um <laughs> combat begins on my first death saving throw i roll a natural one Everyone tries to do, like, medicine checks on me to try and at least, like, stabilize me. Everyone's failing. I make my last fucking death saving throw, and I roll a 9, and my character fucking dies with the end in sight. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's so and, sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we ended up bringing that character back because, like, uh, the party dynamics was that, like, um, one of the characters uh was my character's like um uh parental figure and so like oh. if my character was gone for good that the parental figure character would be would be would become like so unhinged and like so fucking like crazy that it was just like completely unplayable and we just had to retire that character too um so they had to do a quest to bring me back to life but like right who that was Yikes. definitely a rough experience. Um, and honestly, like, I agree with the DM for that ruling because, like, it, it, it definitely, like, th those were, like th those death saving throws were some of, like, the most tense moments of D&D &D that I had in a hot minute. Um, and, like, I, I felt, like, actual, like, terror and panic when I saw, like, that natural one appear and, like, everyone at the table was just, like, panicking and, like, trying to do all they can, but, like, nothing was working. Um, and I think that's just, again, what I love about this game is just, like, 
when you create those like moments of like tension and then you can like get to the end and like releasing tension i think that's what the game is like uh at its best mm-hmm. um so yeah personal opinion character death is fine as long as you like have that tension leading up to it <laughs> yes not just oh she they did just yeah <laughs> they were they were smote with lightning they're dead now like that's mm-hmm. that's not fun yeah <laughs> um i have one more question based on like um what you were talking about with dynamics in the party and stuff um yes. how do you feel about the dynamics of this party in particular i love the dynamics so 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 much um I have no idea how you guys have managed to do it, but, like, every single one of you has, like, relationships and bonds with other characters. And, like, if I asked, like, um, Juliet what she thought about Morgan in character, you wouldn't be able to give me, like, this whole, like, big spiel about, like, uh, oh, like, uh, he's, I think he's, like, a great guy and, like, um, I really, like, um, uh, like, um, I, I, I owe my life, um, for like uh saving me in uh, all those fights and stuff like that um and it, it, it's just so so good um especially because like after this first arc you guys have like all become friends um yeah. in game and like it, it's so good because like now that like um uh something's threatening one of your friends like it's personal to your character it's not like oh this is just like i guess we might as well just help this guy it's like no this is my friend and i cannot like stand to see him get hurt <laughs> right yeah and I think my biggest gripe with my previous party was that, like, at the end of the campaign, I could have asked all the characters, what do you think about the other characters? And it would have been, like, one-word responses, like, the warlock would have just said, shrug, fucking, ah, no. One of them's just a dude, one of them's kind of gullible. That's all I really think about them. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, we bring a pretty good, like, dynamic, like, each of us bringing something to the table. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Boondock, the voice of reason. Morgan, the moral compass. Uh, mm. Tops. Juliet is the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Juliet is the very impulsive, like mm. the one who gets the party into trouble. As in the one who can read. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's Essen's role. <laughs> that 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 is his role. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, and you guys just, like, bounce off each other so well. Like, you guys make each other's characters better by playing. Yes. Uh, yeah, because, like, when Juliet does, like, her impulsive things, it amplifies Boondock's, like, uh, straight-edge nature and his, like, uh, idea of being this, this very lawful sheriff. Um, or, like, um, when Essen kind of, like, acts, like, uh, innocent and, like, sweet towards Juliet, it kind of, like, <laughs> it makes her into this... I'm just gonna say it. Juliet's a Sundere. <laughs> no, no, she is. She totally is. No, 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 no. That's a that's a fact. It's fact. <laughs> that's that's just how she is. Because I feel like, based on like all of the interactions that she's had with other people, like you know the guy at the bar mm. and like the creepy, like she's probably dealt with like a bunch of creeps before. Not gonna lie, but yeah. when it's somebody like she cares about and has been like around a, a, a while, and then all of a sudden, oh, uh. I'm going to show feelings toward this person. She's like, oh, what? Who? Why? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, just seriously superb role playing from all of you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, 
to wrap things out, uh, one last question then. Um, someone asked uh, how to join a D&D group, which is a tricky question because um, I personally got really, really lucky and like, um, I just jumped into DMing and like, uh, I literally just like said like, hey, like I'm going to start like a D&D group. Does any of you guys want to join in my friend group? And like, uh, I was able to get like a very big group together. Um, but uh, yeah, Izzy, do you have um, other sites of stuff to use for? So, I mean, I... I'm on Facebook, and there's some, like, things you can join, like, a local, like, Facebook group. I joined this, um, women's D&D group page, and, um, I kind of jumped in there, and all of a sudden I became a DM for five really great people, um, Mm -hmm. and just started playing from there. Um, I think on, what is it called, Roll20, I think there are things you can do to, like, you know, put yourself, like, out there be like hey i'm interested in playing like first time player or something like that um local game stores that like do board games and stuff like that i know like a couple of them here um you can kind of join sometimes you have to pay in order to play games only because like some are professional like actual dms and um they're paying for like you know like the if you play in live sessions um they have like like minifigure set up and like you know cool like uh, environments so you can like physically see like where your characters are going and what they are fighting and stuff like that so I mean I understand why mm-hmm. um, so I you just gotta you know hunt around like yeah. look at different social medias um, yeah the other thing I also uh, warn about is that um, you try to find like a D&D group that kind of suits your needs like uh, you if you join a group you don't have to stick with it if you're not having fun Yes. Um, yeah, and it's, it's so so it's okay to like kind of shop around and stuff like that, and like just make sure to like know your boundaries and stuff like that. Because I've heard like a lot of horror stories about like um, mm-hmm. people joining like D and D groups and like their people in there being like creepy and weird. Um, but yeah, uh, I I honestly though think like if you stick with it and like um, uh, stay in like the LFG forums and stuff like that, you should be able to find like a game that uh, suits your needs uh thank you guys so much for listening uh to episode two um you can uh find us on instagram and twitter links are in the description uh or in the podcast description if listening on spotify um if you guys have any more questions feel free to let us know in the comments or hit us up on uh instagram our dms are always open um yeah you have anything else? Yay! <laughs> nope, I did it pretty well. That, that, ta-da! Episode two. <laughs> All right, and we'll see you guys next time. Yay!